Welcome to HCMA Off the Record, your behind-the-scenes look and listen into the world of emergency management. This podcast is brought to you by Muriel Bowser, Mayor of Washington, D.C., and the District of Columbia Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency. From preparedness tips to intra-agency coordination to advice from the men and women responsible for protecting the district, HCMA Off the Record shares it all. Whether you're an EM nerd like us or learning about emergency management for the first time, come along for the ride. Welcome back to HCMA Off the Record, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Rebecca, and I'll be your co-host today. The wind is blowing and skies are gray, which means that I'm pretty much justified to say winter is coming. You heard it here first, folks. As it starts to get colder and we start to think about blizzards and storms, it's important for us to think about how we'll respond to them. That's right, it's emergency kit time. Today I'll be talking with Kim McCall, one of HCMA's community outreach specialists, about emergency supply kits. We'll cover what they are, how you can create one, and how to winterize your kit. Hey, Kim, thanks for coming on. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How are you doing? Doing pretty good today. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. Um, So can you give us a quick rundown about what your work consists of as a community outreach specialist? What does that mean? Sure, absolutely. Um, That work consists of educating and informing the general public, as well as partner agencies about emergency and disaster preparedness. Um, We also look to connect our residents um, with local resources, whether it's a D.C. government agency, a nonprofit organization, or even our own HCMA staff, we can connect people with the appropriate resources. Um, we pretty much liaise in the community with neighborhood groups and associations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we attend events, uh, a lot of community-based meetings. Uh, we are at schools, child care centers across the city. We visit facilities where our aging residents are. Um, we also partner with federal agencies during National Preparedness Month, attending a lot of those events as well. Great. Definitely sounds like your uh, your work keeps you busy. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> awesome. So I guess what I'm really hearing is then you're sort of a pro on emergency kits. I've learned a lot over 15 years of being a community outreach specialist, and I'm able to share a lot uh, as well. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to kind of, you know, jumping right in and hearing, to s- hearing all the wonderful things you have to share. Um, so... I have a first aid kit, um, but what can you tell me about an emergency kit? Um, for folks that are out there and aren't familiar with them, um, what are they? Right. An emergency or disaster kit uh, typically will go a little bit farther in the elements that's in it, the container. Um, you will find that an emergency or disaster kit has additional items. For example, a first aid kit would have supplies where a person would respond to a typical emergency whether it's, um, you know, bleeding control, Mm -hmm. whether it's cardiac arrest, choking, uh, those types of emergencies. Got it. Inside that kit, you will find medical supplies, over-the-counter meds, latex gloves, Mm -hmm. gauze pads, uh, a turning kit, for example. In an emergency or disaster kit, you want to plan for a minimum of three days. Got it. And this kit will contain essential items for your livelihood, food and water for sustenance, a battery or solar powered radio or flashlight, mm-hmm. uh, an N95 respiratory mask. So what you're doing with your emergency disa- or disaster kit is planning to sustain yourself as an individual, uh, community member for three days or longer should there be interruptions of services like electricity or government closures. Got it. Great. Um, so it sounds like it's sort of taking uh, your first aid kit just a little bit further. 
ensuring that you have a little bit more supplies and resources available to you. Yes, and I can add, for example, your your emergency or disaster kit may have backup clothes or an extra pair of shoes because it's winter months. Mm -hmm. So you may have in your kit uh, a pair of boots that you wouldn't wear in the summer months, right? So you can create your disaster kits based on the season. And our focus today is winter preparedness, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, having extra uh, batteries, having blankets around in your kit, um, and when you're preparing those kits, any type of kit, uh, you want to make sure you have your important documents as well. Because, again, you're preparing to be without something, whether it's utilities or services, uh, access to services. Um, and so having your proper identification as well as uh, homeowner's insurance, your, your, your vehicle insurance mm-hmm. if you're driving a car things like that become very important in terms of your own preparedness. Yeah, great. Um, Lots of good stuff. So uh, what kind of items can I or our listeners keep inside our emergency kits regardless of the time of year? I know, you know, right now we're in the winter and our focus is on winter preparedness, but what are some of those really crucial items that people should have in their kits um, at any given time if they would need to use them? Yeah, I like to challenge people to assess their own um, needs. Okay. So if I take, for example, prescription medications, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I have my prescription medications with me in an emergency or disaster. So it's putting an extra three-day supply of that aside. Um, But the basics, I mean, we are going to go back to basics no matter who we are. Mm -hmm. We're going to need food and water in an emergency or disaster. We're going to need information. And that's why it's recommended that you have a disaster kit with a battery or solar-powered radio so that you know what your local community officials are asking the public to do. So they may give some guidance. For example, uh, stay off of the roads during the winter months because we're clearing the streets. And so that message will be able to get out to the public. Hey, don't drive unless it's absolutely necessary because the local government is clearing the roads today. Yeah, that's a really good point about the radio, especially if, you know, you lose power and we're unable to charge our devices, cell phones, computers, things like that. You know, taking it back to the, you know, back to the basics with the radio is a really good point. Um, So what about with the winter, right? Um, Do... The items we include in our emergency kit change, and if they do, what are some of those winterized pieces that we should really think about putting in our kits? Well, well certainly. Um, I like to ask community members to think about this. If they're driving a vehicle during the winter months, to think about what they would need to sustain themselves. Of course, the food and water. I keep reiterating mm-hmm. that. Uh, but then also think about the vehicle itself. Has the car been serviced? Do I have uh, a- appropriate jumper cables to have antifreeze and coolant? Has the car been serviced? Has the tires been serviced? So you're thinking about you, the individual, the driver. You're thinking about the vehicle itself and what it would need if it breaks down, for example, mm-hmm. or if you get trapped in a, in a snow event, yeah. or for example, a blizzard. Um, but then thirdly, you want to think about, now what if I have a passenger in the car? How am I helping to keep them safe as well? And then think about the other community members. So if you're driving your car in a blizzard and you ended up being stranded, how would you sustain yourself? Yeah. You know, do you have those necessary things? And one point I like to add for all vehicles, that emergency blanket can help prevent hypothermia Mm -hmm. as well as being mindful that uh, being frostbit is an opportunity for winter weather. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're facing conditions during the winter months, you're looking at freezing rain, uh, ice, uh, snow, Mm -hmm. and potentially high winds. So all of those different conditions can present the challenges. So I ask people to consider about consider those conditions and consider who you're going to encounter, whether it's just you in the car yourself with the vehicle 
or if you have a passenger in the car, and then keep in mind the safety of other drivers who may be stranded, yeah. you know, who may be on the side of the road. Um, but I did want to take one opportunity, Rebecca, Absolutely. to talk about kits are only as good as a kit can be, right? Mm -hmm. The kit are the essential items for people to self-sustain. But more importantly, if you're creating an emergency preparedness plan, which is what we'd like to focus on in community outreach, it cuts across all seasons and all hazards. Mm -hmm. We have a very simple, methodical approach to preparing people. We like people to get information, right? So I would encourage people in D.C. to register for Alert D.C. so they know what D.C. government officials are asking them to be aware of. Um, secondly, we ask people to uh, build their kits, but also make a family plan. What happens if there's an emergency and you need to contact other family members that are inside this city, um, outside of the city, in the region, or even across the United States? What is your plan for communicating your well-being to them? So we call that a family communications plan. Okay. So while we say, hey, have that kit, you need other things um, at your disposal, too. Yeah. Official alerts from government officials. Um, you need a family communications plan, which, which is going to detail who you're going to be talking to, potentially where you're going to meet if you have to leave the, the neighborhood or your home. That's a really good really Where are you going to meet? Um, th that, that, that kind of information. Yeah. But being aware, you know, something that's knowing uh, what's happening in your local community. If the blizzard is coming, are you set up to receive the emergency alerts from your local officials, like DC. We have Alert DC again, and so we'll be able to advise people. Uh, any advisories, winter weather advisories, um, any uh, other warnings, as well as the alerts. Got it. Notifications. I'm really glad that you brought the thing, those things up, because like you said, kits are important, but those other pieces are crucial as well. Um, you mentioned Alert DC a couple times. Could you give us a little bit of info about what Alert DC is? You mentioned some alerts from officials. How do people get that? What is that? Yeah, we'd like to invite people to first visit ready.dc.gov. That's our user-friendly website in the District of Columbia that every member of the community can use mm -hmm. to prepare for any and all types of emergencies or disasters. Great. The Alert DC is a notification system okay. that district government officials will use to be able to reach a, a mass audience mm -hmm. at, a, at a click of a button or two. Um, we invite people to visit the uh, website and then enroll. So you can en enroll to receive emergency alerts by text, right to your cell phone or mobile phone, and or by email, which will come to your, uh, your inbox. And then while I'm talking about alerts as well, we invite people to use some of our technology pieces. We have a, a smartphone app, a mm -hmm. mobile app that's in, available in Android as well as the iPhone stores. And those alerts will be pushed out through that system as well. Great. So we in D.C. have a multitude of ways for people to receive the official messaging from district government, the mayor's office and district government yep. officials. And um, we, we just try, as a community outreach team here and a member of the team, we're trying to make sure we're communicating that to the public and all of our partner agencies, as well as our federal partners and non-government officials. Awesome. Um, and for our listeners tuning in, I'll make sure uh, in the um, episode blurb for today's episode, we'll have the links there for the ready.dc.gov website, which is our preparedness site for the district, as well as alertdc.dc.gov, which is that direct link to um, enrollment for the Alert DC system. Awesome. Really good stuff, Kim. Um, so, 
kind of shifting back to the emergency preparedness kit side of stuff, um, one of the things that we hear often is, you know, do we really need one if we're in a big, sturdy apartment complex? And, you know, why do we need one in our home if we have all of our items in the home? So why is it important that we have one regardless of what type of residence we're in? I think it's important because if what we're trying to do is reduce the loss of uh, life, reduce mm -hmm. injuries, reduce the loss of property, that does take a preparedness measure. And I think if you want to prepare as an individual, what better way? You don't have any um, other options that's going to help reduce those risks. So we say, hey, everyone needs a disaster kit. But Rebecca, you know, we're emergency managers. But we also have kids. Absolutely. I have one in my car, at work, and at home. And guess what? You drive <laughs> You drive during winter weather, don't sure you? Sure do. Yeah, so having that kit is just going to give you an opportunity to self-sustain until government officials, if they deem necessary, open up a shelter or take other actions mm -hmm. uh, to, to safeguard the community's well-being. Um, so, yeah, we have a, a bunch of ways to do that. Um, but... I like your idea of just making sure that we're putting enough information out so that people know they have the opportunity to do this. Okay. Yeah, great. Um, so if our listeners have pets or kids, you know, what are some of the different items that they should be thinking about in their emergency kit? Because you've been saying, right, it's planning for the whole family, not just the individual. So yes. what are some of those other key considerations we should think about when planning for pets or kids? Yeah. The elderly. Like, again, I go back to the simple thing of assessing that individual. So if you're an adult, if you're a senior citizen, if you're a kid, or even if you're a pet and you're planning for your pet, all of us will have some, some certain needs. Mm -hmm. So kids, as well as pets, like comfort. Right. Yeah. Just as much as we do. So we like the food and water. But also kids will need a way to uh, stay engaged during an emergency or disaster. So having their favorite toys mm -hmm. or favorite games accessible will help them. Um, because a lot of times we're talking about an emergency being an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. So you want to really plan point. and prepare for those interruptions of services to help make yourself as well as your family more comfortable. Yeah. You're running a risk if you wait until that emergency or disaster happens. I remember a few years ago, we had just about three feet of snow, and you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong on the accumulation. Are you talking about the 2016 snowstorm? I, I, you must be. You're probably <laughs> right. I remember it being so much snow out there. Uh, presenting challenges, not just for pedestrians, not just for drivers, mm -hmm. but for general community members. So there's a lot of information about keeping yourself safe um, because there are, again, these risks. Uh, something as simple as keeping yourself safe and aware that shoveling your snow and overexertion could cause a medical issue mm -hmm. for you. Um, so keeping that awareness out there is important um, as well. And then second to that is, we want to make sure people know that carbon monoxide poisoning is a life-threatening situation. And so making sure that we're getting information out there to have a working carbon monoxide detector in mm -hmm. the home, as well as your smoke alarm and fire alarm, yeah. right? Uh, but also, when you're driving a vehicle during the winter months, we're asking the public to be aware to clear your car first of all of the snow that's accumulated, yeah. even if it's three feet or two or how many ever. Clear your car first because also there's a risk of the carbon monoxide poisoning if you leave all of the snow and ice on their car, including the tailpipe. Oh, wow. So you want to be sure to remove the snow and ice from the, the tailpipe so that you 
uh, don't run the risk of carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, so I think these are some good overall tips. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for winter preparedness anyway. Yeah. Um, so we're talking preparedness, having kits, things we should put in them, but when do they get actually get when do they actually get used? Is it something that we use in just any storm? Is it better if we save them, you know, for some of the near apocalyptic situations that we wow. hear about, you know, wow. the panic? Like yes, when when do we use them? That is a fantastic <laughs> question. I love it because it is for you. Remember, we're building kits for ourselves and our family members. Yep. So it's for us to use when we deem it necessary. I do like to add the point that you do want to restock should you use your kit. And I remember my, I live in Washington, D.C. Okay. Uh, my furnace went out uh, five or six years ago in the dead of uh, winter month of January, and it was extremely cold in the house. I took out my emergency disaster kit and used and wrapped myself in the emergency blanket, which contained all of my body's heat, yep. and I was able to stay warm. So small emergency, didn't impact a wider community, but it impacted me as a homeowner, and I used my kit. And yep. so I like telling that story because we don't know exactly what the emergency yep. or disaster is going to be. That's a really so good point. So you're creating plans and preparedness so that you can quickly respond to yep. it. So it doesn't it doesn't have to be this crazy big event. It could be no. something as small yeah. as something happening to you in your home and yes, because ma'am. you were prepared, yes. you were able to keep yourself warm and safe. That's right. And if you do, the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA actually recommend that we have a disaster kit in the home office and car. Mm-hmm. I like to say home office and on your commute because everyone is not driving Correct. into DC. Yep. They're taking trains, we're very bicycles. Much a transient and, city, yeah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So you do want to think about even if I'm on a bicycle, yep. I need small things for myself, whether it's a flashlight, a reflecting yeah. vest, and things like that. Absolutely. You want to prepare for the smallest of events to the largest of events. And so if you have a kit in the home office and car, you're pretty much covered. Yeah. You're pretty much covered. And again, it's the, not just the kit. It's the what you're going to do with that kit. Do you have the information? Do you have your alerts and notification? Do you have training that will help you respond? Like, for example, knowing how to prevent hypothermia or knowing how to report if someone mm-hmm. is experiencing that condition. Yep. You know, that could be life-threatening. You want to call 911. You want to recognize those symptoms. Absolutely. And while we're on the topic, too, um, okay. our friends at the Department of Human Services yes. um, are also reminding people this winter that if you see a neighbor, um, a community member out there struggling, um, experiencing homelessness, and they're cold and they do need some help, um, you can call 311, which is Mayor Bowser's citywide call center. Um, to speak with a representative and request shelter transportation for them. So there's little things that you can do to be prepared, which is great and also a great way to keep out for, you know, an eye out for neighbors in the cold. Yes. Um, So we've talked about a lot of the really good reasons to have a kit, um, and it makes sense. Um, It's also the holiday season, gift-giving season. So what are some of your recommendations or ways to make an emergency kit while still keeping with a tight budget? Because I feel like that's one of, you know, holiday season or not, I feel like that's one of the maybe biggest barriers with emergency kits is people have this um, idea that they're these really big, elaborate, expensive items, and, you know, not everybody can afford that. So what are, you know, your experience in the community? What are some of your recommendations and tips? Okay, recommendations first off would be start small. uh, Create that checklist from ready.dc.gov. Look at the complete checklist and find out where you're most vulnerable and start building your kit around those things, whether it's canned goods, a couple of extra bottles of bottled water, maybe some mixed nuts or non-perishable foods that you set aside. Mm -hmm. You don't have to prepare for everything at once. 
So build your preparedness into, um, into ongoing activities. Um, so it doesn't have to be extremely expensive. I was out shopping just a couple days ago and found hand sanitizer on sale for a dollar. Hand sanitizer is great in an emergency or disaster for cleanliness, yep. for protecting your hands, for keeping your hands clear of germs and things like that. Yep. So once you look at the checklist, just go through there and find those items that you can afford, things that are small. And actually, when we're out in the community, Rebecca, there are a lot of agencies and organizations that's providing support. Mm -hmm. So if you go to certain events and you see someone's handing out a, a bag or yeah. a backpack, Hey, that's your first start of your backpack or your disaster kit. Yeah. If you see folks handing out hand sanitizers or if you see the health department handing out something promoting health preparedness, go ahead and take advantage of free things as much as you can. Yeah. For example, so one thing that I keep that it's free, it's a map of the District of Columbia so that I know what evacuation routes I might need yeah. or which routes the mayor's office may be clearing in terms of snow and which routes I should avoid uh, during the snow months. But prepare for those kits and don't be overwhelmed with doing it all at once. So here's some other suggestions. Yeah. We have big box stores in D.C. like Walmart that's worked with us during National Preparedness Month. We have Costco. We have stores like Home Depot and Lowe's where you can find a lot of these individual items that you would gather, you would purchase and gather, and throw in various containers. Your kits can come in various sizes. You have a small kit for an emergency that may last 12 to 18 hours. You have a larger kit that'll get you through a day or two, and then you have a much larger one at home where you have to evacuate or if you're sheltering in place, that might take care of you and your family for three to five days. Okay. Don't be overwhelmed. Use the checklist to guide your process yeah. and just keep building preparedness into your family culture, into our city culture, so that when things do happen, we are resilient as individuals or as family members and as a community in general. So we're just building this over a period of time. It doesn't have to be too costly or too expensive. And on my last note, I do like to let people know that the American Red Cross, they actually will sell kits to you that are already packaged and contained. Oh, wow. So you have a way of going buying individual items for yourself or collecting free items or purchasing a, a prepared kit already yeah. that's been assembled already. So there are quite a few ways you can be creative about building your kits. Awesome. So and get I'm, your kids involved. Yes. Get your kids involved, too, because they'll be able to bring to their kits the things that they want in there, that they're comfortable with, and they'll probably be able to find a toy or two for the pet if you include them in the family yeah, plan. good idea. So what I'm hearing is start small. Keep it simple, start with the basics, collect some things here and there. It doesn't have to be one big large haul to complete your kit um, and do it to where it's comfortable um, and, and uh, appropriate for your family. Yes, ma'am. And just make it comfortable for yourself because you're going to be the person carrying it or using it. So if it's a bag or a container, just make sure um, it's accessible for you and it has what you need. This is why we do community and emergency preparedness. Mm -hmm. It's to prepare the individual to self-sustain. Perfect. And so this is what this is all about. It's for us. It's for the community. Awesome. Um, well, I mean, I guess I have a, you know, great excuse to head up to the store to stock, on, stock up on some more emergency goods. You know, even in the field of emergency management, we can't be too ready as our, ourselves. We always have to reevaluate, restock, and prepare. Um, so Noah's definitely predicting some unstable weather this season. So um, it's definitely smart to have everything ready before it gets to be too late. And we definitely thank you for all of your tips and, um, you know, resources that you've shared. And before we wrap up kind of on the topic of resources, um, 
where can our listeners find more information and resources on emergency supply kits or preparedness or even just winter preparedness as a whole? Okay, awesome. So we uh, did mention ready.dc.gov. Uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, has uh, ready.gov. It's, it's sort of similar to what we have here in D.C. It has a national focus, mm-hmm. but a lot of good information on there okay. that cuts across all communities. Every member of the community can benefit from that preparedness information. And then also, Rebecca, with knowing what's coming in mm-hmm. terms of the winter weather, um, there could be winter weather watches, advisories, and warnings. Yeah. You can learn more about that terminology uh, from weather.gov. Weather.gov will help you prepare your plans and know what officials are alerting you about and what's coming your way. Perfect. Awesome. Um, That's great, Kim. Thank you so much for those resources. Um, Definitely invaluable to add uh, to our listeners. Um, While we're on the topics, I mean, as 15 years in the field, is there anything else that you'd like to add or share with our listeners? Uh, during the winter months, I just really want people to really have that working smoke alarm and carbon monoxide detector. Which I'm sure our friends at the fire department appreciate yes. you plugging. DC Fire. Go DC <laughs> Fire. Yes. And um, also just to mention that there are these hazards. Um, there, There's risk to walking on snow, driving on snow, shoveling mm-hmm. snow. Um, so let's not take it for granted. Uh, just be mindful that uh, we all can be safe. Um, and if you get an order from Mayor Bowser or any elected official to stay off the roads, it's probably a good idea uh, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Kim, one thing that I was just thinking about, you know, you mentioned carbon monoxide poisoning and, you know, maybe a furnace going out and having to use a blanket. Um, is there any guidance out there on generator usage in the winter? I know um, sometimes that comes up and that's questions that we see a lot. So any guidance or tips on that? Yeah. So the recommendation is that in guidance specifically is to never use a portable generator inside a home or even a building structure like a garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the generator has to be at minimum 20 feet when it's outdoors, at least 20 feet or more from doors, windows and vents. Um, and the recommendation, again, is if you're driving, clear all of the snow from your vehicle, specifically the tailpipe, which could uh, uh, run a risk to your, your health as well. Um, the best guidance, again, you can go to D.C.'s uh, fire department mm-hmm. for more information on uh, preventing fires as yep. well as protecting yourself against carbon monoxide. It is advised that if someone has the symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning, that you do contact 911, that you do move them outside into fresh air immediately, um, and then you start caring for the person from there. Uh, but just to remind people that, you know, we don't want to take these things for granted. Uh, uh, being frostbit is a serious con- condition as well as having hypothermia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we in the community can help see the signs and maybe prevent these things from happening. Uh, maybe even help others in the community know that, hey, you're looking like you're shoveling a little bit too much or you look like you're really becoming overexerted. You may want to sit down a little while um, and, and complete the snow and shifts. Uh, but simple tips like that. Uh, It's all available for the general public to use and take advantage of, and we're all about preparing ourselves, our family members, and our community with this information. Yeah, Um, and you mentioned Ready DC a a couple times, Kim. Can you just, um, for any listeners that are tuning in for the first time, can you just give us a little bit of info? What is Ready DC? I like ready.dc.gov, which is our website that helps us push information out. Ready DC actually is a personal preparedness campaign. 
uh, government officials, emergency managers across the nation all agree that there will be times when a community has to have the, the participation of its members mm -hmm. to show resiliency and to build resiliency. And that doesn't matter what the emergency is. That yeah. could be a winter weather emergency. It can be an earthquake or it could be something more sinister like an explosion in the community. You see how much involvement the community members had uh, during the Boston Marathon attacks. Yeah. That took people rushing to help other people mm -hmm. during the incident. Mm -hmm. And so officials know, well, we need to get information out so that our public can help us mm -hmm. respond to this. And so Mayor Bowser kicked off the personal preparedness, came up, personal preparedness campaign of Ready DC to make sure we're out here in the community reinforcing that message that we all can be aware, stay informed, and build disaster kits. And most importantly, if you see something, say something in the community. Yeah. If someone is struggling with homelessness or cold temperatures, make the right call. Absolutely. If you see someone, someone doing something sinister and you want MPD, the local police department, the Metropolitan Police Department, to know about it, report that. And so all of this is all about making our communities safer and more resilient to anything happening. And so when you go to ready.dc.gov, there's a list of hazards whether it's the earthquake again, a hurricane, tornadoes, an explosion in the community, cyber attacks, all of those threats uh, we can start preparing for and getting ourselves ready so that we can show more resiliency. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for oh. being up with us thank today. You, it seems like you're very passionate about preparedness, which is awesome. Definitely a big help to our listeners. Lots of great tips and resources that we covered. Um, and as always, thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in and uh, learning how to be better prepared and safe this winter season and also how to build an emergency kit and even more importantly, importantly customize it for the winter season. Um, so make sure to tune back in in two weeks to learn how to prepare for a successful and prosperous 2020 um, and wish we wish you all a very safe happy and merry holiday season happy holidays thanks everyone this podcast is brought to you by muriel bowser mayor of washington dc and the district of columbia homeland security and emergency management agency